Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. I'm going to throw it over to our special guest today. In a few sentences, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Hi, I'm Katie Scott, and I um, have a chemical engineering background. Um, I work in the biotechnology industry in Silicon Valley, and um, my role today is to manage facilities and site services for two diagnostics campuses in um, the South San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I also have had background in um, multiple engineering roles and in quality assurance roles. So I'm happy to speak to any of that as well. Awesome. So you're fairly technical. That's great. Um, what do you think is the biggest challenge faced by companies today when they're looking to hire diverse talent? So, I, you know, I think um, what can be challenging when you're looking to increase um, or improve the diversity in your workforce, um, especially in technical roles, um, tends to be um, bias that's uh, built into our recruiting processes and in our um, kind of job descriptions, um, those, those kinds of things. So over-reliance on things like um, years of experience or um, educational background and under-reliance on transferable skills and, um, you know, evidence of talent, um, I think, can can kind of constrain the interview pools and the candidate pools in ways that also reduce the diversity of those pools. Okay. So they're basically, they're not in the pool, right? And so because they're excluded, you just aren't even having the conversation, it sounds like? I think so. You know, that's what I've observed is um, if you set up your job description incorrectly, or if you over leverage your own network to source your candidates, then you end up with a candidate slate that is um, too much like you and and not enough like not you Mike Roberts too much like the recruiter yeah. or <laughs> I was say, too much because I look like, like a lot the hiring of manager I hire, right and <laughs> well, so no so <laughs> for me when I'm trying to hire and um, really improve the diversity of thought the diversity of backgrounds and um, you know all aspects of diversity on my own teams um, I have to be really careful not to only look for me right Sure. And so I'm sure it's, it's not you, but I'm hearing from other folks, other hiring managers that finding diverse talent is a challenge, right? So they say, you know, it's just tough. What are your thoughts? Um, you know, I think a good way to test that um, is to look at the, um, the diversity of people coming out of colleges in those fields, right? So okay. Um, you know, we find a uh, really rich diversity in a lot of technical fields as people are graduating from school. Um, and somehow that still translates to this story that you hear that there's not um, good diversity in the candidate pools that are coming. And I think those hiring managers really need to challenge themselves and know that um, it's good for business and it's good for the success of your team to do the work to find um, a diverse candidate pool for those roles. I, I think that's one of the things that really gets in the way for companies and for leaders, especially really experienced leaders. Um, you know, when I was coming um, into leadership for the first time, I got a lot of coaching when I was hiring that I needed to look for 
strong skill set and I needed to look for cultural fit for my team, right? And so those kinds of things are what are, you know, many of our leaders grew up thinking was the right way to hire. And it's only been relatively recent that a lot of the studies have come out to show that it's bad for business to hire that way. And it's good for business to invite people to your team who will challenge you and your team in a different way and um, bring different perspectives and hold each other accountable to do better and change. And I think um, if you don't really believe that in your heart, that it's going to make you more successful to hire a diverse team, then you won't. Yeah. You're going to buy the story, right? And the story mm-hmm. is it's, it's hard to do. Awesome. Um, what would what advice would you share for companies that are looking to not only increase diversity, but retain diverse staff once they make that, you know, they, they've, found the right person, they're a great fit on the team. How do you keep them from going elsewhere? Um, So again, around the hiring, the advice I would give and what I've seen really work is to have measurable goals around diversity in your staff. Um, So hold yourselves accountable to improving it if it's not where it needs to be and hold yourselves accountable for keeping it if it's already there. Um, And the other thing um, is you know, for retention, I think it's really important to foster a culture of um, growth in your team, um, where you're hiring people for their transferable skills and their talent, and then you're coaching them on the details of what they need to do for that role. And you're also helping them develop for the next role. Um, I've seen a lot of diverse talent flee when they get a position and they're in the position and then they don't see those future opportunities manifesting. Um, it's, I think it's really important to make sure that the entire team has this culture of growth and this mindset of growth and coaching. I like it. I think a lot, like when you use that team metaphor, I think a lot of, we don't hire for a players or we don't hire for position players. We hire for a players, right? Mm-hmm. People that we can see some capacity and we know they've got a high ceiling and that's like, that's a tremendous asset, right? They've got those transferable skills and they'll be able to be in any of the positions on the team. So I like it. Absolutely. Potential is so much more important than the experience that someone's going to bring to the table. Always. Nice. Um, what other experts like yourself would you like to acknowledge and uh, do you think should be invited to be a guest on a podcast like this? You know, um, there are a couple of people that come to mind who are, you know, just ex- outstanding examples, I think, um, in terms of being able, really caring about diversity in their workforce and embracing it and fostering it. Um, and they're both at Genentech um, in yeah. the Bay Area. And so one of these people is named Jeff Davis, um, and the other is Michelle Soto. And um, I would encourage you to reach out to either of them. They're fantastic. Awesome. So Bay Area, two shout outs, same company. So they must be doing something right there. Awesome. What um, or where can we find out more information about your company? So this is a great place for shameless plugs. Sure. So I work um, at Roche Pharmaceuticals. And so you can find us um, if you Google Roche. Um, And um, I'm in the diagnostics division. So making tests to help people know. Yeah. You guys working on any interesting, I hear there are some interesting problems that people are trying to solve at this point. Are you oh, guys yeah. involved in any of that? Absolutely. Always. Um, that's one of the best things about working there is, uh, you know, the, the work is really meaningful. So always looking for better ways to understand 
um, oncology diagnostics, you know, um, and also, you know, more recently with our pandemic, um, improving the testing situation for COVID-19 are some of the... the I thought the tests were perfect. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> um. Awesome. So we have three minutes and 25 seconds left. So at this point, we could end early. There's always some value in that in some circumstances. You could share something about something, maybe something you're working on or a passion project, or you could ask me a question, or you could do any combination of those, including just hanging up and disappearing. So um, I guess, you know, I think what you're working on here, Mike, is so important. And um, I'd love to learn or hear more about you and how you got into, in, into, into this. Yeah, absolutely. So I um, have been developing for about 31 years now. I've been writing software. I did it as a hobby for the first half of that time. So it took me a really long time to discover I could get paid for something I really enjoyed doing. Um, I was on the 10-year plan in college. So it was like a little bumpy and rough when I was an adolescent. And so I love being able to help people that have an interest in maybe a STEM career identify, hey, this is something that you know you could be a natural at even though they don't always have a way to envision themselves in that role and then provide them a pathway that might be an alternative to the traditional college pipeline. Traditional, you got to go to a four-year school, you got to graduate from one of these four programs in San Diego to get into an engineering shop. That's not the case for everybody. And so fortunately for those people that that's not going to be the right fit right now, I want to be able to provide those kind of opportunities. And it's not, I don't think it's a mutually exclusive thing where if you go down the path of vocational and you get a job as a software engineer now, that you forego the opportunity to go to school, you get a job at Google and use their tuition reimbursement to do degree completion, right? And so you can have your cake and you can eat it too, as long as you're willing to put the effort in and, and to work towards it. Unfortunately, a lot of folks that look like me don't even know they're more consumers of a lot of technology than they are like folks that envision themselves as being producers of content and producers of technology and writing the applications that go on their phones. They're a little bit more just not seeing the same kind of role models and opportunities that they might see in other areas. So that's a little bit like why I was motivated to leave the fancy, you know, snack wall and, and get myself into a situation where I could give more opportunity back to other people. And I really feel like there's, there's plenty of talent there. There's plenty of folks that, as you mentioned before, they are the consumer base. And if you don't have people that look like me on your team, you're missing out on opportunities to like, surprise and delight people like me and buy more of your product and your service. And so there's got to be, a, I think, a, a hopefully in the future of work, we'll see some new models about how we educate people and how we provide them opportunities so we can really capitalize on people's talents and make sure that you know everybody has an opportunity to do something amazing. I'm curious if elsewhere in your podcast, you're talking with people about um, technological solutions potentially for or or other diversity challenges around people with disabilities so i touch on that a little bit with the work that i i had mentioned the person i'm um currently uh helping to coach their team so she's specifically in the neurodiversity space so a lot of the folks that she's working with have autism or on the spectrum um they do some amazing research it's called the power of neurodiversity gaming and so Pong, it's over at the Qualcomm Institute over at UCSD. And so they basically have a bunch of folks that are making games and they're like like 3D games with like VR headsets. Um, and so they're coding these games and building games that are used for scientific research. And so some of the research is done for therapeutic purposes and others is just to identify like what, what more can we discover about um, early indications of 
uh, dementia, right? So all of these different types of neurodiversity issues can be researched. Some of them can be, um, therapy can be created for them. And so it's just super interesting to have an opportunity to, I don't, I, although I have worked with a lot of neurodiverse folks because they tend to, you tend to see a higher population of them in science, right? You tend to see a higher population of people that are super talented, but they don't meet that cultural like bar that it takes sometimes to be at a, in a shop or, or other careers. And so it's, it's not something where I have a ton of experience, but I have a little bit of experience and I find it very rewarding because it helps me to be even more creative when I'm you know, thinking, how do I serve a population I just don't have as much experience with? So it's interesting. They're interesting problems to solve. We're talking about dealing with different constituents that you're usually just not around. So again, that's that diversity and that inclusiveness that I think creates interesting opportunities. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Awesome. And thanks for joining us today. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snack Walls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The Tech Enabled Apprenticeship Program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 